Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tortoise. Hello. It's the news meeting for the week ending the 8th of September. I'm James Harding. Before I introduce our intrepid journalist who joins us for this news meeting, Charles, I just need to ask you what you make of the scandal of the week, namely that the Apostrophe Protection Society has dropped its complaint against Waterstones, the bookstore. What's remarkable is what took them so long. Waterstones dropped its apostrophe in 2012. And this became a cause celeb for the um, International Apostrophe Day set up by Guardian writer David Marsh, but also the Apostrophe Protection Society established by John Richards, who was extremely cross and never satisfied. But uh, two years after John Richards' death, the society has withdrawn its complaint against Waterstones. What do I make over it? Um, I think it's I think it's appalling. I think the complaint should stand. I think Waterstones should reinstate their apostrophe. And Sainsbury's and McDonald's have apostrophes, right? Correct. Yes. And what is the <laughs> what is the point of the Apostrophe Protection Society if apostrophes like that don't go protected? The point is to call Waterstones to account for surrendering to the commercial dictates of the internet, which apparently is the reason they've dropped it. The internet doesn't like they say Apostrophes, but as you as you suggest, Sainsbury's and McDonald's suggest the opposite. They're doing just fine with apostrophes. So welcome, Yalda Hakim. I hope you noticed that here in this news meeting, we stand up for the powerless. Absolutely, and you should. And I think apostrophes are important. <laughs> Yalda, let me introduce you. I said you're an intrepid journalist, famous for broadcasts from Afghanistan to Iraq to obviously Ukraine most recently. Um, and intrepid in the fact that you've made the journey from your normal perch in the newsroom at BBC, the 800 yards navigating the one-way system of Oxford Street to get to us here at the Tortoise Newsroom. And you're headed pretty shortly, November I think it is, to start leading the primetime show at Sky. That's right. Uh, Sky has made quite a big investment in their evening offering. Um, So they're just changing it all up, uh, politics, UK news, and then I'll be fronting their global news agenda and really trying to help British audiences understand why global stories matter. Charles Patel joins us, fellow editor. Keith Blackmore is here again. And I just want to say how thrilled I am that I'd be put in competition with probably the most brilliant broadcast journalist in the world. <laughs> um, ESB, you're playing at home, Keith. Yeah, I've got a home advantage, yeah. Welcome to the news meeting. 
Police say there's now a nationwide manhunt for a 21-year-old former British soldier who escaped from Wandsworth Prison in London. We understand he was dressed as a chef. Spain's Football Federation have sacked Jorge Vilda. He came under increasing pressure, especially after he was seen clapping Mr Rubiales when Mr Rubiales gave a very defiant speech saying he wasn't going to resign. Scientists have grown something that closely resembles an early human embryo without using sperm, eggs or a wound. 13 years of cutting corners, botched jobs, sticking plaster politics. It's the sort of thing you expect from cowboy builders. It's been quite an extraordinary week, really. China and Germany, the economies feel that they're slowing. There's been this extraordinary 22-year sentence for a proud boy, a conspirator of the January 6th act of sedition. And the Premier League is once again wishing away sexual assault allegations, wishing away being the active phrase, not really doing much about it. Um, So, Yelda, if you've listened, you'll know the way this works. Each person pitches the story, and then because I'm in the editor's chair, I get to decide what leads the news. But what we're going to try and do is interrogate each story, understand what we really know, what we don't, why it matters, and on that basis, what the running order should be. There are plenty of stories to choose from. What are your three? Long story short, Giles, why don't you go first? H2 pressure play, how Toyota is trying to get its revenge on Elon Musk. For me, it's my a very rare interview with the First Lady of Ukraine, Elena Zelenska. We get a better sense of her relationship with her husband, the president, and also what she thinks of the current conflict in Ukraine. And mine is why the least important story in the news is the most important. Okay, good. Let's do with that first. Oh, that's a dirty <laughs> trick. <laughs> uh, so uh, you probably heard that um, 60 years after they started, the Rolling Stones uh, have delivered a new record Uh, That would be 45 years after the last decent record that they ever made. They put it out. Which was? Which was the last decent one. Well, the last great record they made was Exile on Main Street. But the last decent one was It's Only Rock and Roll in 1974. So for 45 years, they've been a tribute act to themselves. Um, There are only two original members left in the band. And uh, now they're pretending to be sort of a London band. They've named their new album... um, Hackney Diamonds, Diamonds, Diamonds which is uh, apparently Cockney slang for broken glass you find after your car's been broken into, which of course must happen to a lot to 80, 80 year old multimillionaires who live, who live in, in compounds, in, who live in uh, tax havens. Um, but what's uh, it's been a triumphant success for the Rolling Stones. This they've they they placed stories around. Uh, around the country, they, a couple of the papers got exclusive interviews with the, with Jagger, um, and they've already managed to get the first reviews of this record, which nobody's supposed to have heard, that say it's the best they did since their last one in 2005, a bigger bang, which I'm prepared to bet nobody's listened to since about 2005. And why does it matter? Because the Rolling Stones were once very important, both, I think, musically, I think Giles is going to argue with me about that, but culturally, I think they were very important. They, they, were, they were agents of change. And now they've become, now they're just a corporate, a small corporation run by a, ver- a brilliant chief uh, um, um, executive chairman, Jagger, and the, the, the corporation needed new product. Got, they want to go on tour, they want to make some more money, they want to go on putting on this preposterous 
rock show now where three stick figures wander around <laughs> and you spend your whole life wondering whether or not they're going to have hip displacement. Yalda, do you care about this at all? I mean, I care from the point of view that, you know, you think about Jagger, 80 years old. I mean, what is their combined age? Uh, 235. Right? <laughs> and And when you think about that, to make this sort of, as you say, 45 years later, this incredible record or, or these albums that, that are now, you know, people are sort of praising and saying are incredible, 80 years old. And yet, you know, maybe as a rock star, you can make it again. Can you as a president, I wonder? But are we just talking then about those stories where you see a 90-year-old skydiving? Is it like, look at the amazing things that old people can do? Is that what the story is? Well, it's, they're the same age as Joe Biden. Yeah, which is, you know, interesting, right? We criticise Joe Biden because we think, well, you know, he's... Is he all there when people watch his his uh, videos and clips and falling over? And you've got Jagger on stage. The Rolling Stone story, interesting, important. I think it's interesting because it's a story about groupthink, right? It's about mass suspension of critical thinking, yeah? <laughs> uh, personally, I've got never had any satisfaction from uh, Rolling Stone's music, but clearly, uh, by dint of stamina mainly, they have entered the canon, a bit like... William Shakespeare, Jane Austen, you cannot, and the Bible, you can't say anything against them. But unlike, say, the Beatles, they never understood melody. So for my money, it's not even music. <laughs> Let alone a story. <laughs> so, no, I think it makes it more interesting as a story because it's a story about mass psychosis, about everybody piling in uncritically on their side. The, the one thing I think, Keith, about this is it makes me feel uncomfortable talking about it because I haven't listened to the album. And actually, surely that's the only thing that matters in this, is whether or not the music says anything. And I, I know that when David Remnick puts out the music issue of The New Yorker, he has this great line, which is writing about music is like dancing about architecture. It's, it's kind of pointless discussing it. That's a question in terms of news, too. This story, Rolling Stones put out Hackney Diamonds. It's... It's marketing, not news, isn't it? Yes, but have a look at all of the media today. It's dominated by the Rolling Stones. In fact, look, funny enough, the one place where it would be appropriate to have it on the front page, the FT, has not bothered to put it there, even though it's a corporate story. All right, well, Yelda, you, you now know the story that's going to lead the news, Hackney <laughs> Diamonds. <laughs> Let's battle somewhere in the running order for an interview with the First Lady of Ukraine. So, so tell us where you went to go and do this. So actually, I did it remotely. Um, she was holding every now and then, uh, you know, the Zelenskys. I, I spoke to the president about eight weeks ago and now the First Lady. They kind of know when they need to come out and speak to the press. We are three months into this counteroffensive. They're holding a few summits uh, in Ukraine. We had the U.S. Secretary of State there yesterday. So, you know, she knows now is a good time to, to speak. So she agreed to an interview. We did it remotely. She was in Kiev. Uh, I was in London in my studio. And I guess in many ways she feels she needs to come out, talk about why this war still matters. Because the greatest fear from my time in Ukraine that I found they have is that suddenly the world is going to say, OK, enough. Why are we pouring so much money into this? What are we getting out of it? I was struck by some of the lines in it, this idea, I really want a husband. I don't want a historical figure. The references to the way the family operates, I. She and the children are not in Kiev. They're somewhere else. The kids not really having frequent access or related with their dad in that sense. And I was trying to work out why she's saying that. 
Is that for domestic politics reasons or sort of to garner support internationally? What do you think? I think it's a bit of both. I think she wants to humanise this conflict as much as possible. He gets out in his military fatigues. He's out and about, you know, travelling across Europe, coming here to the UK, being compared to Winston Churchill. So I put that to her. And that's when she said, I don't want a historical figure. Look, selfishly, I want my husband back. I want my children to have their father back. They were woken up sort of in the early hours of the morning in February of 2022 and told the war has begun. You need to get the hell out of here. So they were moved and and put in a secret location. It took her two and a half months to see him again. So, you know, she wants to show that she, like so many Ukrainian women and children, have been separated as a result of martial law, as a result of the conflict from their husbands, from their fathers. She's saying, I'm not privileged. I'm going through exactly what the millions of Ukrainian mothers and and children are going through. But I'm interested in what you said about the calculation. Why is she giving that interview? What does she and they want to achieve? She really understands, like her husband, like the team around them, the power of soft power. Their feeling is, we don't want to be forgotten. We want to continue uh, for you to give uh, us weapons, especially with the US. Look, if the US pulls out of this conflict, Ukraine is doomed. It's sort of curtains down for Ukraine. That's what I think. We were talking the other day about the Republican primary and just the pull on American politics of a more, call it isolationist view of Ukraine. Charles, what did you make of it? Well, I mean, as you said, their chief fear is what happens if the West turns the television cameras off, goes away, and the aid dries up too. Does she feel that she has a specific role, not just talking to you in the UK, but to t- talking to broadcasters and others in the US in preserving that sort of war-sustaining uh, flow of, of military aid? We're fascinated by her. You know, we're having this conversation now. She's on the front covers of of Vogue and women's magazines and um, publications right across the the world. She understands this. And that's what's been interesting about this conflict over the last 18 months, how much they get that. Keith, in our old life at the Times, you'd take a story like this and you'd run it inside the paper, probably with a picture on the front, but a double page spread to read it inside. Are we in a different world? Is this the kind of story you can lead? Nothing's happened, but you've got a voice on a story that you don't normally get. I think you definitely could lead on it. And I, the question I'd like to ask Yalda is really, what's your sense of their, their relationship now, the, the, the marriage, as it were? Because that's a very unusual set of stresses being put on it. Absolutely. And the gossip in Kiev is it strained. Um, you know, when you speak to people out and about, they're saying, we're hearing, are they, are they, well, they're obviously not living together, but what what does this mean about the relationship? And actually, I said to her, um, you were his scriptwriter, are you advising him now? And she sort of really, she was quite prickly about that. And she said, no, he is this extraordinary leader. He doesn't need me. He knows what he's doing. There's no one else but him who could do this. So very, very protective. But at the same time, no doubt for her to open up in this way in an interview and talk about the pressure that her and her children feel. She said, my, my son doesn't have a father at the moment. What, what do you think about that, Yelda? Because for a long time... Certainly, as I was growing up as a journalist, the scrutiny of people's marriages in power was a really 
important way of understanding the person at the top and was judged to be a legitimate proxy for their character and sometimes their values. I was interested in the breakup of the Trudeaus, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister and his wife, which had been rumoured and gossiped about in Canada for months and years. And then when it was covered, when it was actually announced that they were separating, it was more or less treated as a news in brief. We're not going to explain it. We're not going to examine it. We're not going to consider what the consequences are. We're not going to consider what that says about Justin Trudeau. Do you think that we're shy of interrogating the question that Keith's asking? I think a little bit because we want to, it's sort of the David and Goliath, this conflict. Mm -hmm. You know, we very much kind of almost as journalists, as people, they kind of know which side they're on in a strange sort of way, you know. And so when we go to Ukraine or when we interview the president and probably not to the same extent the first lady, are we asking the right questions about corruption? Yeah. The the defense minister was sacked because of corruption issues. He wasn't necessarily accused, but his department was. They were getting billions poured into that department and there was accusations of mismanagement. Are we holding them to account? You know, or is there concern? I remember there was an Amnesty International report about six to eight months ago that was heavily criticized because the Amnesty report was looking at sort of war crimes within the Ukrainian forces. And everyone sort of stood up and said, now is not the time to be doing this. We have plenty of time for scrutiny. At what point, though, in these conflicts do we sort of say it's not just about the commerce, the finance, the money that's going in? You know, Ukraine is one of the most corrupt nations on the planet. Are we holding them to account? Are we doing our job as journalists? Or are we so fascinated by the marriage, the comedian, the glamour, the, the war and the understanding that, that Russia bad, Ukraine good? Sounds a bit like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Exactly. More on this story, read about Ukraine. But Keith, just one final thought on that, your marriage point. Presumably what the Zelenskys are dealing with are what countless Ukrainian couples are dealing with in terms of separation and strain. How far can you lean into that? Because it's human nature to be interested in that. It is human nature, marriage under strain. Well, I, and doesn't that just make it more, you know, more real? The conflict, you know, that's that's why you'd pursue that story. I think is that is, and why I'm, you know, Yalda has done is is that it reveals the pain of this kind of conflict. I, I guess the one thing, Yalda, that people who are sceptical in terms of taking sides, who worry about the West trying to determine an outcome in Ukraine might say to you is, are you conducting an interview with her on different terms that you might with someone else, that there's a sympathy in the decision to, to do the interview in the first place and in the way in which you hear her story that you might not get if you were either a person in power or, as you say, a, a spouse um, Frankly, most spouses wouldn't even get on air. You know, I often and most recently ask a lot of questions around unconscious bias, how whether we do it subconsciously, no matter how much we talk about impartiality. Yeah. You know, 
Melania Trump often complained about this. She said when they interview a Michelle Obama, the approach is very different to when they interview me because of views around my husband. So I do think that, you know... Can we just hold on? Can we just park the bus for a minute? Is that... She, I expect, has some views about that husband too. You would. Yeah. and but <laughs> On I, marital I, rather on than marital, political grounds. Yes. yes. And, and in many ways, we did that with them as well, didn't we? We were fascinated and obsessed about their relationship. And, you know, I remember seeing constantly memes uh, on social media about whether she pushed his hand away or didn't push his hand away. Was he treating her right? Or was the looking at the father making eye contact because, you know, that gave us a sense of who this man really is and an insight. But, but just stick with the Melania-Michelle thing just for a second. I'm really interested. I've never thought about that at all. The personal bias versus political impartiality issue because you're not really bringing a political bias if you lean in on a Melania interview in a different way to you lean in on a Michelle interview but I imagine if you're a MAGA Republican, if you're a Trump supporter, what you see is a dislike or suspicion of Trump visited upon Melania. And do you think that that's a fair criticism of the media, that they didn't give her as fair a shout, as generous a shout as they gave Michelle? Look, when you think about, OK, let's talk about something like Vogue. They featured every first lady except Melania, Right. And, Is that right? Yeah. And she wore a, a jacket somewhere to a, I think it was a hurricane or something. Yeah. And the jacket said, don't care. It was just, it was just, it just so happened. Maybe she didn't think about it. Maybe her team didn't think about it. That was torn apart. You know, the way in which she did her Christmas decorations was scrutinized by the media. So, you Can know. Ask a question. Where is Melania? <laughs> Often that's a question that, that Donald is, Trump is asking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, is she in Mar-a-Lago? Is she? Where is she? You know, there is those questions that that is asked that continues to be oh, asked. That one story. <laughs> yeah. um, Yalda, thank you. Let's take a beat and then come to Giles. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Giles. 
Okay, James, have you ever driven up the M1, or in your case, probably more likely the M4? Both, yes. Okay, and overtaken a line of 18-wheel trucks, lorries, and um, and thought, God, that is big and loud and dirty, and I wonder if they will ever clean it up and manage to replace the engine in that thing with something clean. Have you ever thought that? That is the question I'm to which you're... I'm thinking of it now. I'm thinking you're it now for the first time. You're supposed to answer yes. <laughs> yes, oh yes, I think about okay. it every time. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that you haven't. Anyway, the second question is, do you know how a fuel cell works? No. Okay, so the second question kind of answers the first, but the story is that Toyota, which is still the world's biggest car maker by volume, not by market cap, uh, has set up a project in Derby, in this country, to test 10 prototype fuel cell-powered pickup trucks, Hilux pickup trucks. Hilux, if you are a viewer of Top Gear, the, the Toyota Hilux is the world's toughest vehicle, right? That's the one that you just can't break. And they want to see if you can power the same vehicle with a fuel cell powertrain that is as tough. Uh, so explain, how does a fuel cell work? Right. You pump hydrogen in one end and air in the other an anode which is what this has in common with a battery takes the hydrogen and splits it up into protons and electrons so what's an anode it is the negatively charged uh, part of the fuel cell that the hydrogen bumps into first when it's fed into the stack it's a stack of plates with with a catalyst on it in in this case usually very 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 thin layer of platinum but what it does is it turns hydrogen molecules h2 into hydrogen ions h plus which is a proton that's just a proton and this is the cool bit stay with me right and electrons right and what is trillions and trillions and trillions of electrons what is that electricity electricity right that drives your car or your truck. Hold right? on. So let me see if I've got this right. So the hydrogen goes in to this fuel cell. Yep. The fuel cell is like a bunch of wafers yep. of platinum. Yep. As the H2 goes over the wafers, yep. it splits into H plus protons mm -hmm. and and a huge number of ions that is electricity. No, not of ions, of, of just electrons. And of electrons. Is, yeah. And so the, if you like, the discharge is electricity. And there's another discharge, which is all your H plus ions, right? Yes. And they mix with O2 in the air that's coming in the other end of the fuel cell. And what's H plus plus O2? Come on, H2O. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the only thing that dribbles out your tailpipe, right? That's what's cool about fuel cells. But there's another thing which is cool, which is that there's almost no moving parts. They're very reliable and they're light compared with batteries. Okay. But the point is, this is an answer to decarbonizing freight. It's an answer that batteries do not uh, offer even as much as Elon Musk would try to sell you a battery-powered truck. The sheer weight of batteries to power a truck long distances is, is prohibitive. Oh, and see. when you compress hydrogen, or you liquefy hydrogen, but that's very expensive, you, for the, it's the only thing that comes close to petrol in terms of what we call energy density. When Giles said that, that, that um, the fuel cells were cool, I assumed he was going to be talking about some punk band. <laughs> Back to the stories, yeah. Quite a good name. <laughs> I met Akio Morita, the guy who effectively founded Sony all the way through from transistor radio uh, to Walkman to 
games consoles, etc. He told the story of how they developed the Betamax videotape. Right? <laughs> so there were two videotapes. <laughs> if you're listening and you're anything under about my age, you've no idea what we're talking about here. But Betamax was even smaller than VHS, so should have been much more successful. It was driven by Akio Morita. The designers of the videotape came in. They showed him the video player. It was the size of a large suitcase. And then they showed him the tape. And it was the side of a briefcase. And they were like, you put the briefcase in the suitcase, you watch the movie. Right? And he, I don't know whether you've ever seen Japanese people on the subway reading Japanese-style novels, these tiny books. And he had one in his jacket pocket. And he took it out and he said, you've got six months. Make me a tape that's the size of this novel. And they went away. And like all engineers driven by a speck and a deadline. They came back and delivered. But the tragedy of this otherwise inspiring story is that what he then said was, and we still lost. Mm -hmm. And we lost because VHS basically sewed up the Hollywood studios mm. and Betamax failed. And so the reason I tell you the secure the story, Charles, is my question about fuel cells and the question about whether this is a story that really leads the news is, is this goose already cooked? Is no. Tesla and that technology so dominant in the car business and so dominant in the recharging system that actually, even if they do get fuel cells right, it's too late? No, the goose is not cooked. It's a perfectly fair question and a lovely story, by the way. But, but unlike Betamax VHS, which are essentially the same technologies, fuel cells and battery electric vehicles are completely different technologies. It's, so, Yalda, you walk into the studio, <laughs> the producers say, hey, listen, let's lead on the fuel cell experiment in Derby story. If you're going to trash this story, just remember you are betraying a fundamental lack of interest in dealing with global warming. And that's where I think this story is, <laughs> is really important. Don't fall for that. <laughs> this is where he got me. Um, I was in Istanbul a couple of weeks ago and I could barely breathe. If I go to Delhi, I can hardly breathe. The traffic, the pollution, the lorries and trucks. If Derby can find a solution to this, Keith, we've been completely set up in this whole thing. <laughs> All right, now, the task here, which slightly goes against the grain for journalists, is not to pitch your own story at this stage. Say, if you're not choosing yours, which one would lead? I'd go with Hackney Diamonds because it is a cultural story as well. Sorry, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> After all that valiant defence, I care about, you know, you know, pollution, etc. Giles, yours? I'm definitely going with the First Lady of Ukraine. Keith? Same here. First Lady of Ukraine. Fuel cells sound like an interesting band, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're not ready yet for the big time. All right, this is a really interesting one. This is one of those moments where all three stories really matter and none of them would naturally lead. The Zelenska profile is what we'd call in the trade color. Um, the risk of Rolling Stones is its puff, right? And the danger with fuel cells is it's in the weeds. And... For those reasons, it's really hard to choose. They're all, if you like, inside stories, halfway through the running order stories. Uh, given it's the end of the week, the way I'd run it, I would lead on the Rolling Stones. It's a moment people would be fascinated just to see what they're doing. And either it's, what are these old people up to now? Or, thank goodness, they've got the band back together. I would definitely run, and probably, funnily enough, run at length, Zelenska second, because that's where the heart is, and it's an illumination of a story that we think we know but don't and then 
We would definitely run it, Giles. We run the fuel cell story and we run it with fantastic graphics That's that show you what goes thing. in and comes out and all of that. Um, but it runs third. That's a relief. I thought we were going to go with Waterstones. <laughs> That's the outrage. <laughs> that scandal. The, scandal. Well, the establishment of the real apostrophe protection society. <laughs> we're starting that now. Um, with that, Giles and Keith, thank you very much. Yalda, really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, as I said a little earlier, if you've got a point of view on what should lead the news, whether we've got this all entirely wrong and missed a colossal run of stories this week, do just write to us, newsmeeting at tortoisemedia.com. We'll be back on Monday. And we leave you with the sound of those Hackney locals, Mick, Keith, Ronnie, and Jimmy Fallon. What you're doing is the wild, wild west. I mean, who knew that you're going to, a band could come out and do a brand new, fresh album? What decade is this, the 2020s? I mean, I don't know. Don't want to be big headed, but I, we wouldn't have put this album out if we hadn't really liked it. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. we didn't want to make just any record and put it out. We're pleased with it. So I'll drink to that. And we hope you all like uh, it. Tortoise. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.